found chop the original guillotine league podcast everything you need to know to avoid the chopping block chop is brought to you by guillotineleagues.com now your hosts paul charchian and brian johnson welcome to the chop podcast i'm paul charchian my regular co-host brian johnson is out today the focus of today's chop podcast is drafting for a guillotine league After all, the draft is going to be all of our focuses in guillotine leagues throughout the preseason. Now, the draft holds less importance in a guillotine league than any other format because your roster is going to undergo a total upheaval throughout the season. If you've played guillotine leagues in the past, you already know that. If you haven't, you don't even know what's coming yet. You know, conceptually, you might think you get it, but until you actually see the total and amazingly fast change that's going to happen to your roster, you don't totally get it yet. We're used to putting so much of our hopes and dreams of a season into the draft, but in a guillotine league, there are more opportunities to overcome a bad draft than in any other format. Conversely, a great draft gives you a really big advantage because you can avoid spending your free agent budget early in the season. And that's a big advantage when you can have, hopefully, more cash left later on in the year. Now, joining me today on the CHOP podcast, J.J. Zachariason. Many of you already know J.J. J.J. went two for two in his two guillotine leagues last year. And I was in both of them, so with him. So that means that he beat me twice. In a few moments, he's going to share his drafting advice, both broad advice that that really works in any year, and some very player-specific advice for this coming season, 2022. I'll mention, before we get to JJ, lots happening at guillotineleagues.com. I'm recording this in late May, and we're on the cusp of launching for the 2022 season. You may be hearing this already after we've already launched. That is possible. You're going to see a brand new mode of Guillotine League that allows you to continue playing even after your cut and even work your way back into contention for the end of year prizing. It's super exciting. I can't say more than that right now because as I'm recording this, we haven't launched it yet, but you're going to see it very, very soon, or it's already up and running at guillotineleagues.com. You'll also find my guillotine-specific player rankings updated regularly throughout the preseason. So it's a fresh new season for guillotineleagues.com. We're delighted you've joined us on the CHOP podcast. Let's talk to JJ. JJ Zachariason, you know him from Twitter at Late Round QB. The podcast is called the Late Round Fantasy Football Podcast. And JJ is here because JJ was in two guillotine leagues last year and you won them both. I did. I did. There, look, there's luck involved in something like that happening. But I do think, you know, after playing uh, in guillotine leagues with you and, and others for a few years now, Um, You know, I I definitely switched my strategy up a little bit last year and thought about things a little bit differently. And that ended up helping. I mean, I I don't think that I'm going to win every (laughs) guillotine league that I play moving forward, but uh, I'll take it. I'll take the two wins from last year. Yeah, you can uh, you can call it luck all you want. Uh, But going two for two, you just, you know, by raw math, right? You have a chance. You've got about a three percent chance of winning in one given season, one out of 18 to do it back to back. It and to do it two out of two is something in the ballpark of zero point zero three percent chance. I mean, it's 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 crazy, JJ, that you were able to pull that off. And worse, worse of all, I'm in both leagues. You you buried me in both of them. I'm supposed to know what I'm doing here. 
Yeah. I mean, again, I don't think it's going to happen again in my life. I will take it, though. It was very enjoyable, and I don't hate beating you and others. It makes you a subject matter expert in the guillotine league, and let's pick your mind and some of the, the winning things. You talked about um, some strategies that you employ differently this year. Let's start with the draft. What are some of the things you try to accomplish in a guillotine league draft that's different from redraft or dynasty? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that the the overarching idea and notion with guillotine leagues is that your goal is to not get first necessarily, not until the yes. end. Your goal is to not get last. That's Correct. A really key differentiator because you know if you're going in your regular redraft league, dynasty league, whatever, uh, you know you should be embracing variance at times and you should be looking for ceiling and all of that. And while you can and should still do that to some degree, there are definitely some approaches like the late round quarterback strategy uh, that make a lot more sense in this kind of format. So, you know, this format, you had more teams uh, overall, which increases the number of, of needed running backs and wide receivers mm-hmm. for each team uh, in that, that overall pool. Whereas at quarterback, yes, you're adding more quarterback starters, but if you look at QB twos in fantasy football, there's not a huge difference between one QB two to the next, you know, what right. the, the, the true dif- differentiators are the higher end quarterbacks. And again, your goal is to not get first is to not get last. And so as a result of that, when you're getting a later round quarterback in these drafts, someone who is not very sexy, doesn't have a crazy great name and, and won't produce likely as a QB one during the season or a high end QB one, uh, you're getting that floor. You're, you're at least getting something. And, and really, when you go with an earlier round quarterback approach or a mid round quarterback approach, which is what a lot of people, including myself, are doing, you know, in this era of the NFL where we have these dual threat quarterbacks who are giving you a lot of points with their legs and their arm yeah uh you know when you do that in a league like this with so many teams there's a really high opportunity cost involved in that where you know instead of getting that quarterback you're going to get a good wide receiver or running back well if you go and get a kyler murray if you go and get a lamar jackson you know all of a sudden you don't have as good of running backs and wide receivers to keep you afloat week to week so i do think that going with a late round quarterback strategy in this particular format still makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I do it every draft. I never draft the uh, the high equity, high upside quarterbacks in guillotine because of what you talked about. We're it, It's the price that you pay uh, giving up a needed running back or wide receiver or tight end starter when I can get uh, a quarterback that can, all I need is consistency. I don't need explosiveness from really any player. You know, in right. a guillotine league, we're, we want... We just want double-digit players through our whole roster. We're trying to avoid the two-point game, the three-point game that ends up putting you in last place and you get chopped. To that point, give me a quarterback that you would draft uh, that you think fits this format, that you would focus you that a guy you'd try to target, uh, no matter you know whatever round you want. Is there a quarterback you'd try to target in the guillotine league format, JJ? Yeah, so I think this is sort of like a twofold answer. I think at first, you know, in, in a you look at what you do in a typical redraft league, or what I try to do is I look at the high upside guys. If I'm going with a later round quarterback strategy, uh, I'm looking at the guys who can bring a lot of juice with their legs to give you that that true like top three, top four upside in a given season. You like a Jalen Hurts of last year, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, if you can really find that guy in redraft, it's great because you want to have that kind of ceiling. But again, you're looking more for floor um, and. You know, also in a regular redraft league, if you approach your your draft and your season knowing that you want to stream, uh, if you just want to pick guys off off the waiver up off the waiver wire, um, you're going to look at early season schedules. You're going to look at week one. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's even more pertinent and, and relevant. Uh, you know, in this kind of format, because obviously it's a week to week game in terms of not wanting to get chopped. And so, two guys kind of popped to mind. One of them 
uh, Kirk Cousins, your guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they get the Packers in week one, so there's some shootout potential. But Cousins is a guy who will give you a nice high floor each week, just given the fact that, uh, you know, he has the weapons and he's the pocket passer. Um, you know, maybe the ceiling's not necessarily there, but we know that he's he's proven and shown that he has very consistent high-end QB2 production. Go ahead. I'll jump in on Cousins for just a second because I think he's the ideal uh, guillotine quarterback because he, is, he hasn't had a zero-touchdown game. You have to go back 31 games to find his last zero-touchdown game. And for Cousins, only five one-touchdown games in his last 25 games. So he's giving you two and three touchdowns every yeah. week. He's totally not sexy, but he's exactly right for a guillotine league. Yeah, yeah. And then the other guy that that uh, also popped for me, um, who is sort of like a like a diet Kirk Cousins is Matt Ryan. Um, you know, he's you know, he's he's in a situation where, you know, I, I don't think anyone would be like overly shocked if, if Matt Ryan puts up decent enough pocket numbers this season. But uh, they also get Houston in week one. So there's mm. there's the potential for them to score a decent amount of points. So I think those two guys, you know, very unsexy veteran, uh, you know, they're not a fun quarterback to necessarily draft. Uh, but they make a lot of sense in this format. They do. Um, I think both those guys make a ton of sense. And, you know, they don't cost you. Your your opportunity cost isn't as high on those guys. Let's yeah. uh, let's talk running backs. Is there is there a running back you think is uh, particularly draftable in the guillotine format? Yeah, you know, I it's really funny because I've, I've preached and talked about uh, what's been dubbed the running back dead zone, uh, you know, for, for a few years now, a handful of years. And it's essentially, you know, in that rounds like four to six area of your draft, mm-hmm. those guys, those running backs that you get, it's not so much that they don't perform, which they do perform under expectation more often than not, uh, but it's more so the opportunity cost in getting those guys versus getting wide receivers there because the wide receivers there – have have turned out some really nice league winners. Cooper Cup last year, you had yeah. Chase in that range last year, et cetera. Um, and so it's really the, an opportunity cost equation more than anything else. But a lot of the guys that get drafted in the dead zone, uh, funny enough, are, are typically players that have pretty high floors, but maybe lack the ceiling. And that's sort of, you know, what you might want to strive for early in your season or in your draft in a guillotine league. So someone that, that jumps out to me would be someone like Josh Jacobs, who I'm not you know, it's not someone that I'm like drafting aggressively because mm-hmm. he doesn't have the receiving profile, but you know, he's going to get work in that offense more than likely. And then, uh, you know, someone like Ezekiel Elliott, uh, is another one who I actually like Zeke enough from a redraft perspective, but, um, you know, I, I think that he's another player where you just know that he's going to get that work. Whereas on the flip side, you know, just to give an example of someone who I would, who I would probably be avoiding is someone like Travis Etienne, where mm. yes, the, the, the ceiling, uh, is really intriguing and yeah, he should have a high target share floor each week to give you that, uh, that PPR production. So it could end up in hindsight, it could look like Travis Etienne's a high floor player rather than a high ceiling player, but entering the season, we just have no idea right now <laughs> right. how he's going to be utilized. Right. And so I, I would much rather just play it safe than go with a player like that. Uh, in the Travis uh, Etienne uh, relative ADP area, Deandre Swift chips in so much receiving work that, I, he becomes, in my mind, very safe prior to him breaking down with injury. So roughly the first half of the season, I think through week 10, he was averaging seven targets, five receptions, 52 yards through the air. So you were sitting at 10.2 fantasy points just through the air. And so yeah. when when those uh, down rushing games hit DeAndre Swift, and they did a lot uh, in a up and down Lions offense, but he rarely ended up with the totally dud game that gets you chopped because he had those receptions that kept him in the double-digit range. 
Yeah, I love that call. All right, let's uh, give me a wide receiver that you uh, that you would target in your guillotine league draft. Again, we're talking to JJ Zacharias and follow him on Twitter at late round QB podcast is the late round fantasy football podcast. Yeah, I, th- I think there's two that, that jumped to mind uh, at wide receiver. One of them being Brandon cooks, um, mm, just an mm-hmm. incredibly, incredibly solid target share floor. But yes. again, I mean, there's obviously overlap because we're still playing fantasy football here. So there's overlap between guillotine leagues and redraft leagues and such. I mean, Brandon cooks, you can easily make the argument is really undervalued in, in redraft, baseball, whatever, whatever other format you're looking at. Uh, but last season, you know, his, his lowest target share was only 12 and a half percent. He averaged a target share per game. Uh, of 27%. Wow. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not like they added that much this offseason. They did draft Mechie, but he's coming off that ACL. So who right. knows if he's even ready at the beginning of the season. So I, I think, I think Brandon Cooks is in a really good spot in this format. And then another guy uh, who should see a really high target share again, because the team didn't do anything at wide receiver <laughs> is Darnell Mooney. Yep. Um, <laughs> he's, he, he gets a 27% target share per game. And you're sitting there thinking, Oh, they're going to add some weapons. Uh, there's no way he's going to be able to ma- maintain that kind of target share. But now you look at projections and you're like, he might be, I mean, he's like a top five in the league in target share projection just yeah. because there's, there's really not much going on there. So even though it is going to be a run heavy offense, which uh, you know, you need that higher target share then to maintain uh, he should be able to get it. So I, I think Mooney has a, a locked in role. You know, he should have a higher ceiling or higher floor uh, Brandon cooks as well. And then, you know, sort of in that like ETN uh, tier or vibe, uh, a wide receiver, one guy that, that jumps to mind is, is Gabe Davis, right? Where, mm. again, I understand the allure. I love Gabe Davis. I think it's going to be really fun to see how they ended up, end up deploying him, but we just don't know. Like, we, we don't know what his role totally is going to look like. Those are the kinds of players that I would rather get off the waiver wire in a, in a guillotine league than someone that I would draft. Can't we just extrapolate his AFC championship game to a full 17 game season? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, totally with you on the Darnell Mooney uh, observation as well. And, uh, and I think, I actually think all, all three of those are, are right on. And, and Mooney to me is just, is perfect. Uh, is a perfect example. We just, we want guys that are just going to get the ball in their hand a lot. Uh, lastly, give me a tight end. We don't play kicker and defense here. Give me a tight end that you that you're targeting. Yeah, you know, tight end's another one where I, I do think that you can make the argument uh, to go with uh, a, an earlier one and get that steady production. That's fine. Um, but you know, the the tight end point production is usually pretty scrunched up, and you you can you know again just using that like opportunity cost formula and an idea notion. Um, you know, you can still wait on the tight end position and be fine. Um, I, I you know I can go back to the Bears. I think Cole Komet's interesting because mm-hmm. again you know, he should just be able to capture a large target share in that offense. And while I don't know if the ceiling is necessarily going to be there because of the offense that he's in, I do think the floor is going to be there. And then on the flip side, you know, someone like Albert O, I just don't know, right? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know how they're going to deploy uh, him within that offense of a lot of miles to feet, but we all know that there is some sort of ceiling there that exists with Russell Wilson under center, um, despite all those other options, especially if one of those options ends up getting hurt uh, around Alberto. So again, you know, it's a, it's a player who I don't mind drafting. I don't, I don't mind throwing that dart in a regular redraft league, but I might not be as inclined to do so in a, in a format like this. Whereas a guy like Cole Komet, who we could probably lock into with a 20, 22% target share, I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable with. Yeah. And Alberto also has the, the downside. I said potential downside. I think Greg Dulcich is pretty good. And yeah, I, I don't know that he's going to, you know, you never know with rookie tight ends and, you know, the rookie year, a lot of times is just a loss, but man, that, you know, sooner or later, I get the feeling that that guy's going to be a problem for Albert O's production. And it could be this year. 
Um, I my my drafting strategy for tight ends in a guillotine league, JJ, is I can't let it. I can't let the position go too far because I do not want to fall into. Let's say last year, um, you know, if you you know if you let that slide and you were going to war with Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby. Yeah. Man, you were in a grinder week to week, and you had that, you know, you had two three-point game uh, games coming from those guys. And that's living a life I, I do not want to live. <laughs> so yeah. you know, I, I, want, I want the relatively steady production. It doesn't have to be Andrews or Kelsey or Pitts, uh, but I, you know, I don't want to fall beyond the Zach Ertz uh, level. Yeah. And the guy that I'm targeting is uh, Dalton Schultz. Because of Amari Cooper's departure, Cedric Wilson's departure, uh, you've got a a hobbled um, Michael Gallup, who's you know we really care about the beginning of the season, as you mentioned earlier, and so I think Dalton Schultz has an, an opportunity, you know, along with Ceedee Lamb, to just be a target hog. Yeah, that's a great one. Yep. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk in season again. It's JJ Zacharias, and thank you so much for the time at Late Round QB on Twitter. Um, a lot of people come out of the draft, JJ. They're used to their 12-team league. You're Most of us are drafting with 18, and you look at this team, and it looks like rubbish compared to what you're used to. Talk to me a little bit about trying to avoid the early panic that can set in in the first part of the, first part of the season. Yeah, so look, you have all these teams, uh, and, and again, there's going to be panic, especially if you're like a bottom two or three team in week one and <laughs> yeah. you're still alive. Uh, and, and so when everyone goes to the, to the waiver wire and puts in their bids, you know, what happens when there's more teams and more competition? Well, prices go up. So mm-hmm. what you've seen, what you know, I'm sure you've seen the trend and what I've noticed is that early in the season, a lot of these players go for obscene amounts of, of money yes. uh, off the wire. I mean, you know, an, an example is, you know, let's say that Derrick Henry has a mediocre game. Maybe he doesn't even have a mediocre game in week one, uh, but the team gets chopped and Derrick Henry's sitting out there. And someone's going to say, oh, man, Derrick Henry's sitting on the waiver wire. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go pick him up for half of my budget. Or more. Um, yeah. Or, 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 or way more. Yeah, I mean, we've seen – I've seen $800 for, yep. uh, you know, 80% of the budget for, for some of these guys as well. Um, and, and so, they, you know, they go out and they, they try to get Derrick Henry thinking, um, you know, I'm going to get this stability on my roster after having a pretty bad week one. But, again, goes back to that general mantra of you just – you don't need to get first. You just don't want to get last. Yes. Uh, so you don't necessarily need Derrick Henry. And the other thing that I thought about a lot more this past season uh, sort of focuses on the variance idea and, and this notion that, uh, you know, in, in a regular redraft league, uh, in, in, a, in a regular dynasty league, whatever, you want to embrace variance to some degree because you really want to have ceiling throughout the season. You, right. you want to be able to get to the playoffs and dominate. You don't have the luxury of it being week 13, week 14 and Cooper Cup sitting on your waiver wire. Right. Uh, and, and so. Uh, but but you do in, in a guillotine league, you have to keep that in mind. So early in the season, you know, if you do spend a high percentage of your budget on a player like Derrick Henry, you're putting a lot of eggs in that basket. It's actually, it seems like a low variance move uh, because you're doing that to solidify your roster and you're going to get points week in and week out, but it's actually a high variance move because you're using so much of your budget. And if something happens to Derrick Henry in that, in that scenario, yes. then all of a sudden you're just, you're, you're out of luck. You're not, you're not in a very good spot. So I think that's sort of something that changed for me this past year is the idea of variance and the idea that you can, you can fix your roster quickly uh, later in the season, which is what I did in, in both of those leagues last year. You know, I was patient. Uh, I was probably like a, honestly, like a 25th to, to 50th percentile type team throughout the first six or seven weeks, but I saved that budget and I was able to spend it uh, and just get powerhouse teams as a result. 
Yeah, if you can, the, the clearest path to victory in a guillotine league, not the only path, but the clearest path, is to have a bunch of fab left over in November. Because most, you know, half of the league's been chopped, and most of the rest of the people are poor at that point. The ones that are left are poor, and you can you can own the table. You'll get great players at a third of the price that they were going for in September and October. And what's more is the teams that are getting chopped in November are great teams. You know, at that point, all their teams are better. So, you know, unlike week one where team gets chopped and in week one there's probably six or seven viable, you know, players that are going to make a difference to your team that hit the waiver wire. Boy, in November, the team that gets chopped has got, you know, a whole roster of viable players that just hit the waiver wire. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing to keep in mind, too, is that let's say after week one, and, you know, you mentioned that there's six to seven, you know, let's say there's five, five or six, whatever viable options out there. Get the lower end of the viable options on your roster if you really do need help. Yeah, uh, because because, again, you just don't want to get last. Uh, and, and so if you can improve your roster incrementally, that's all you need to do uh, instead of going and, and, and trying to hit these home runs with those higher end running backs and wide receivers. Yep, it's um, it's hard to know when to push all your chips in, and there are th- some things that happen that require you to spend in the preseason, but not this preseason, but the early part of the season, September, October, um, and I, I get that, and you can you can still win that way, but it's uh, it's a harder path to go, and really being able to self evaluate JJ and knowing when to put when you have to put chips in, when to really push your fab is it's one of the it's one of the challenges the guillotine league is. You know, when did I just have two bad weeks versus, man, does my team stink? And if I don't spend, I'm going to get chopped. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to you have to be very self-aware with, with where your team is at uh, and constantly evaluate. But I will say it's it's really, really nice when you get to the end of the season and you're looking at the waiver wire and you say, this is just literally an extension of my lineup because I have more fab than anyone else in this league. Yes. I can pick up whoever I want to pick up. I can dictate my roster completely right now because of that patience yeah uh last thing i'll mention jj and and this has all been great advice remember in because it's draft season by the time you get by the time you get to the end of the year november december by the end of the year yeah i've got like three guys left from my draft Uh, they're on my roster you know otherwise it's it's all new players and this is so foreign to people that haven't played guillotine um that you know you don't. You really don't have to panic. You're you're going to turn over most of your roster if you're still alive in the latter quarter of the season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they, don't don't think that you're tied to the players that you're drafting. Um, you know, you're the, the the difference here is obvious. Is that you're almost sharing the pool of players with everyone else in your league, unlike the other formats you play in. Because uh, once they get chopped, you know, you can you can go pick them up and, and use them. And then you know, to your to our uh, conversation about. Uh, later in the season and and sort of like flipping that switch to like when to go all in and all of that. Uh, it is important to, to also flip that switch to uh, start to think about uh, the, the higher ceiling and the, the variance that we were talking about earlier, uh, because you still do need to compete with other teams in the playoffs. And those teams are going to be very, very good. Um, so it's important to, to make that switch as well. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, I think when you get to Thanksgiving, we're solidly looking at, at the highest floor possible until you start to get into November, December. Now, I think you're right. You start flipping the switch to high high upside guys that can power you through when it's just, you know, four teams left at the end of the year. Great observation. Yep. JJ, congratulations on the two wins last year. That That is no small feat. Uh, the closest I've come is prior to you winning last year, I won Fabiano's league in back-to-back years, which I think I is, remember that. yeah, which yeah. is a, which is similarly difficult. So 
Really, you and I running roughshod on 16 <laughs> other experts in that league. That's right. Yeah. Yes. That feels pretty good. I'll be honest. Exactly. We'll follow your work on Twitter at Late Round QB. Podcast is the Late Round Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you, JJ. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. Lots of great stuff from JJ. Thank you for listening to the Chop Podcast. We'll be getting into a much more regular cadence for these now that the drafting season is upon us. You'll hear my voice, Brian Johnson, regularly as we help guide you through your many guillotine league drafts. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Back with more Chop Podcast soon.